welcome back, Crusaders, to the Nerd Crusade Podcast. This is episode 30, and I'm your host, Ian, and with me as always is Courtney. Hello. We are uh, going to be talking about a couple things today. Uh, Stray, uh, the video game that came back out on uh, PlayStation about a year ago, just landed on Xbox this past month. Uh, I finally beat that, so I'll give you kind of a review of that. We'll also be talking about the developer Q&A from... Uh, Starfield that happened earlier this week, uh, which we also have a full transcript of that on the webpage on uh, nerdcrusade.com if you want to see their full answers in all 16 questions. Uh, we'll just kind of be running through the major news points that came, kind of came out of it and new features that we found out about. <clears throat> um, and then lastly, we'll probably be talking about a couple TV shows we've been watching uh, while we wait for Ahsoka to come out next week. So first off, Stray. Pretty fun game, a little indie title, where you play as a little stray cat that falls into a kind of cyberpunk world. What did you think? It's cute. It's cute? <laughs> it's cute. You played a little bit of it, though. I played a little bit. I haven't played that much of it, but it's mm-hmm. cute. Simple controls. Um, yeah, it's pretty cute. Mostly um, a pretty linear when you're getting from city to city, but once you're in a city or uh, have a little bit more open world free reign and just kind of little puzzles you have to figure out. Yeah, um, it's made by the developer Blue 12 Studio, um, <clears throat> which is kind of interesting because like, you're a cat who finds a like AI companion called B12. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically what happens is you start off the game with your little cat family and you're wandering around and then you fall off of a pipe and fall into the city. Uh, and the whole point of the game is the cat's trying to find its way back out of the city so it can find its family. Yeah. Um, cat doesn't have any dialogue or anything because it's just a cat and meows. It does cat things and knocks things over. It's very uh, cat-like. Yeah, knocks, knocks things off <laughs> stuff and basically does that. And like, the more you act like the cat, the more things you'll find. This is basically kind of a collect-a-thon of story items and collectibles to unlock more story information. Uh, the whole point of the game is to kind of find all the memories that B12 lost as you go through these uh, sections of the city, which is basically the uh, lower city, uh, sewers, and mm-hmm. mid, mid-city, mid and then um, the upper city. Yeah, and B12 is the little robot that sits in the little chest package that the cat wears yeah it's really funny because when the cat gets to the point of like kind of following context clues of like somebody asking for help and this little ai like pointing arrows for the, the cat to follow and when you finally meet a b12 like he says oh hey here's a suit that's made for you and puts this thing on you and you act like just any other cat or just like doesn't like walking in it and just falls over yeah if you ever have a cat and you try putting it in a little like harness to take it out on walks the first time, well, the first few times you put it, in, put that on the cat, it's going to flop over. It's going to roll around. It's going to be lethargic and not want yeah. the thing on it until it, they get used to it. Yeah, the cat's usually first response is, I don't like this, so I'm not going to move until you take this off me. Yeah. And that's exactly what your cat, what your cat, the cat does when they put the harness on. So it's kind of a, not to people who have cats understanding that, that behavior, until the final row, it says, hey, you'll just have to get used to it and deal with it. And then your cat moves around like normal. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty low, lo-fi chill game, I would say, because it does have some really? combat. 
Well, the thing is, it does have some combat in, like, the parts where you think you're going to, um, where you think it's going to be high stress, uh, are just small, are short sections, and then once you get a weapon, you don't feel that way at all. And then mm. when you lose the weapon, you realize, okay, you're never going to come across those enemies ever again. Ah. And, like, the sections later on in the middle of the game where, like, you have to play hide-and-seek against Sentinel robots is fairly easy to do, and it's not super hard. Um, so there's not a need of doing anything trickery. It's just about timing and movement. Mm -hmm. um, so it's fairly easy to get past uh, any of the guards and whatnot. Um it is definitely every time the cat gets hurt. There's a few times where the, uh, you're yeah. running through things, or there's a roller coaster type section where the cat gets thrown from a from a vehicle and kind of lands awkwardly. Uh, but after you know, cats do what they do, where they you know lick their butt a few times and then lick their butt. Then, then they then they're perfectly fine. The cat basically like licks its foot. Okay, I'm fine and runs around. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's a fairly short game. Like there is even an achievement in it to beat it in two hours if you know where just where to go and to grab everything. Mm -hmm. I beat it in probably like five six hours, but I did not find everything. I missed maybe three memories to find. Um, and I didn't find all the collectibles. And the thing is, once you leave an area, you can't go. You back. can't go back. Um, and that's one of the things is like when I lost the weapon to fight the Zerks, I was like, oh, I'm going to be screwed now, right? I have to just run away from these things constantly and have more of these sections where you just have to run and kind of dodge dodge these things trying to kill you. Mm -hmm. Well, you never run into them again after you leave the lower city. They yeah. only exist there. Um, and the only threat after that are the Sentinels, which don't do much. Now, I ran into a few issues where there's some things like I couldn't interact with stuff like I thought I should. Um, and I ended up missing, like, there's a team for scratching the record on the DJ booth. Mm. And the icon's there, but I can never scratch it. Um, and I don't know why I couldn't, um, but I could never get it to activate. So I don't know if that's a bug or if that's like I didn't do something right. Hmm. Um, but there's a few things in there, then, and the achievements are fairly easy. So if you want easy gamer score on uh, it's fairly good because it's like meow 100 times uh, is fairly easy to do. Jump 500 times where the cat's always jumping. Yeah. Because um, it has a lot of verticality. Like you can walk the streets at, uh, normally and, and wander around and find stuff, but the way to get into things or solve puzzles is always going to be vertical and you're always going to have to like just look for things you can jump on which is usually in like air conditioning unit with uh tassels on it right um now the other side side story of this is that this is a world that's inhabited by robots um and then as you go through and you find the memories for b12 you kind of uh, learn what happened which was like some natural disaster happened. The humans went inside this uh, enclosed city to protect themselves. Um, they engineered plants to grow without light. They engineered this these bio blob things to eat garbage. Right. Which they called Zerks, where they end up uh, at one point being able to eat everything. So they start eating the robots and metal and whatnot. So the robots are afraid of those things in the lower city and kind of try and barricade themselves in their settlements. Um. And then there's uh, the upper, the mid-city where they don't worry about that, but they have, like, an authoritarian police force of other robots kind of keeping them all in place. Okay. Um, but there's not really a big story into that, but basically what you find out is that the humans were there, they had these robots as servants, and at one point the robots became sentient. Mm -hmm. There's no more human beings anymore, and basically B12 finds out that uh, 
And what you find when you find B12's lab is you find a robot hooked up to a pod that, uh, so we don't know exactly how, but B12 believes he was a human at once because mm-hmm. the pods are what humans used to kind of store themselves in. It's just, I guess the story I pieced together is that the humans, either robots became AI or humans transfer their consciousness into the robots. Okay. To maybe put back in the pods later on into their bodies if they figured out that they could live outside, but that never ended up happening. Uh-huh. Because the robots have, like, all these emotions, and, like, there's a father-son robot thing, but it's, like, he didn't build the other robot to make him his son. He wouldn't... Obviously, there was nobody who gave birth to it. All right. So I feel like the robot's consciousnesses are all human consciousnesses put into it, but they've been around for so long that they, they forgot, forgot that they're human. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is why they also dress themselves <clears throat> at ponchos and... Ponchos what? and like the doc, the doc has crazy hair. The one who has a beanie, like the, and yeah, they all have like their own like little personality type of things. But I believe that they've all forgotten that they used to be human. Um, but the whole point is you travel through these these few biomes, uh, kind of collecting stuff to get to the end where you basically just open up the city. Mm-hmm. Um, which is where the kind of game has kind of that weird ending where like I was hoping the ending would be. All right, cool. I get out and I reunite with the other cats and the cat family. Yeah. But there is no re- reunion there. It's just you leave the city and I guess they open up so they can maybe make a sequel, which I hope they do, of you maybe exploring the outside world to find the other cats. Yeah. Um, but it's a real fun game. Any cat owner would love to play it. If you're not a cat owner, it's still a fun short game to play. Very detailed and kind of fun to play through. And it'd be fun to play through a second time just to get even more details and try to find all the collectibles. Yeah. So, <clears throat> definitely recommend it. It's on Xbox, made by a small team, so this is definitely like a small indie game, but it did very, very well on PlayStation, and I believe a uh, ton of people on Xbox and PC are loving it too. So, yeah. definitely check it out if you can. Um, I definitely highly recommend it as a very good game to play. Now, the other bit of gaming news that we have is that this week there was a... Starfield Q&A with the devs. Yeah, and this was kind of unique because it wasn't like a video like IGN does or mm-hmm. a video that they put out. This was strictly on their Discord server for Constellation, uh, which is literally you have to go to the Bethesda website and join their Constellation group, and then you get access to this Discord. And this was literally like fans threw in... Uh, questions and they picked 16 of them some of them were like really throwaway questions that was like this shouldn't this is a waste of a question if we only have 16 questions why would you ask something if something was in the game that's been in every other version well, every that other might have been game. like a dev also thrown in question for like softball type mm, stuff. Um, maybe but i mean all the questions have who who asked them so like, yeah. you, know, you can see the users who asked who put forth the questions again people can make multiple accounts yeah, that's possible, but, like, in Discord, like, you can see, there's usually people who, are, they mark themselves as dead, but, yeah, they could have made a phone account, who knows. But it's the moderators, whoever, who pick the final questions. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a total of 16 of them. It took about an hour for them to answer. It was kind of a little bit of a mess at first because it was, like, they asked one qu- one question, they both would answer the exact same thing until they finally got the flow of, okay, you answer, I'll add on to instead of like you get one quick answer that's short for one person and one person answers it exactly the same way but with a more long long detailed answer yeah uh which also could be the the fact that like um will shen is the quest designer and emil uh 
I'm gonna fr- screw up the last name pronounceable. It's Pagliaru is the head game designer. Okay. So Paul Lirag- Emil has way more information and way more context to stuff than Will Shen had to some things. Uh, and sometimes Will Shen had more to say than other. But I, it seemed like more like Will was being more conservative with his answers. And then Emil would go in more detail. So, like, then Will would open up front me and elaborate a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, one of the first questions, which kind of might have been a throwaway one, was like, hey, can we buy houses or properties in the main cities? Almost all the games are that they've ever come out with, you can get your own, at least your own home, either through a quest or through buying it. Yeah. The thing is that they don't do, which is what Fable does, is, is investing in properties where it's like, hey, you can buy this property or you can rent it out. Yeah. Um, that would be something, that's a mechanic that like Fable's known for that would be interesting to have uh, in kind of a Bethesda game because it's a way of making money. Mm-hmm. Um, but their basic answer is yes, you have uh, homes you can buy or uh, in every major city, which is like four major cities in the game. Um, and then some are actually given to you as rewards for quests, which okay. they've had that before too. Um, the second question was specifically around one of the traits that they showcased in the uh, direct, uh, which was the kid stuff trait. Um, which again, kind of another throwaway thing because this has appeared in previous games, uh, which was like, hey, with the kid stuff trait, will your parents look like your character, or are they just going to be like set parents? More like. Mm-hmm. Um, in some games, I can't really think of one that does it, but I'm sure there's one that does where it's like, hey, here, you uh, custom create your character, but your parents are always these two same character designs. I'm sure that's like in much older games where the they couldn't figure out the programming for that yeah. yet, but, but more modern games, especially in the 2010s, uh, <clears throat> did was able to do that. Yeah. Or change the skin tone. And Bethesda does that with uh, yeah. as early as uh, Fallout 3. It was like you pick your, your character and they modeled the dad after whatever your character yeah, was. Yeah, the dad had the same and skin tone. We see the same thing in like High on Life with the... Parents. The, the parents, yeah, the mom clearly changes what she looks like based on what the character mm-hmm. uh, looks like uh, in the family photos and whatnot. So like this is this is stuff that like it's been in previous Bethesda games where they said yeah they've done the work with the and they've made it so the parents uh, look like they produced you as a child so it's not gonna be like you make a black character and you have two white parents or two yeah Asian it's parents. not like oh he was an adopted yeah. one so that's all that's always been kind of BGS games but that's there but the other thing that they kind of elaborate on was like yeah the uh, because part of that trait is that you have to give 2% of your inc- weekly income always gets put sent to your parents. Ah. And as you go back and visit them, they'll give you gifts and stuff. They didn't elaborate on exactly what it was that you would get, but you'll get bonuses for going back and visiting, and they'll give you things you may need. Um, so that might be an interesting trait to have, uh, to use. It might be a waste of trait in your first playthrough. Maybe you want to have, have something else because it's just like I think 16 or 20 different traits that you can pick this is all about building your background yeah um but they also elaborated that you can actually go into the game without any traits whatsoever and be completely a blank slate mm-hmm. and not have any bonuses kind of like how Dark Souls has like the one character that has like a little bit extra strength or something but like they have zero armor zero so, special yeah they're everything. just basically straight off new yeah um the third question was, 
Um, for those of us who have never played a BGS game, uh, and when we were starting Starfield, what information uh, would should they know uh, or experiences should be impactful for the right type of start? And it's basically the same answer with all the games. Like none of their games that they make or they've ever made in the past have been like, oh, you need to play the first one or the other these other games to right. understand. It's just it's a role playing game. Jump right in, and you can make your background as much as you want. You can put as much detail into it if you want. Or your backstory, you don't have to rely on some old history or knowing what's going on, which a lot of games nowadays uh, will do that. So, yeah. and you can fill in the past a lot with Bethesda games through as you play, finding different uh, notebooks or novels to help fill in, like yeah, the world in the past. Or you can even like create your own stuff. Like, well, I think Emil said like he has a space trucker who character who uh goes off doing good deeds and there are traits in the game that kind of support that like i think there's a long hauler trait that would directly correlate to being a truck driver ah um so there's traits there that you can build your own background for your own character how you want to do it and your imagination is no limit so that's always great um another big question that came up was the smuggling um, uh-huh. How does that system work? Because we saw that the that in the direct you get scanned as you come to New Atlantis, and how would you go about smuggling stuff? Um, and this is also kind of a question to see if there was a economy that could be kind of manipulated as well. Um, but they elaborate that smuggling uh, requires you to buy certain uh, modules for your ship to actually hide uh, contraband that they can't find on their scans. Mm-hmm. So you can't just like store it and think that you have a secret compartment that you put it in and then it's fine. It has to be in a special component you have to buy in order to do smuggling, so you have to invest in it. But there is no economy manipulation. There's not something that, like, you're going to end up being able to fluctuate how the economy works based on um, what you're smuggling or what you're you're stockpiling or something. So you can't manipulate the economy so people can basically gold farm or something like that. Yeah. That's... Uh, That kind of limited, but... Whatever. Well, that's because in almost every games where they put stuff like that in there, people manipulate it to where then it just becomes a gold glitch. Yeah, that's true. So, like, their economy is set where there are set prices for stuff. When you're smuggling, based on your skill set, you can maybe um, negotiate better prices. And based on, like, persuasion, stuff like that that you put into your character will, will might uh, determine whether they're successful. Because they're going right. to have another... Like in Oblivion, they ha- they're going to have a skill check game for speech. Mm-hmm. Oblivion had it more so than Skyrim, where you can go into a barter mode and like try and like compliment, threaten, or do something to get them to yeah change their prices. There's going to be some type of version of that in Starfield to where you can bark in that way, mm-hmm. or your backgrounds might actually affect how you how get you prices. can get okay and like factions you're with that type of stuff. All right, it's just not going to be like. Oh, here's an econo- uh, economy's uh, market, and you can like start destroying shit to create a need for something, so, th- so you you can exploit it. Yeah, okay. Because that's what people do, and when they have that option, they just start doing things to exploit the markets and not play fair, right? Yeah. Uh, although guess. it wouldn't matter in a single player game, right? You're only affecting your own world, not something that yeah, that's why everyone else. Um, but. That's just something that's, that's a huge, that's highly complicated to kind of keep track of, make sure people just don't break it immediately, you know? 
Um, the question I really thought was a waste of one was like, is there a jail system? Of course. Of crime is like, yeah, all their games have always had something where you can get arrested by a community, thrown in jail, you can escape from jail, or you can or pay, pay a fine out. or bribe your way out of it, or wait till get let out, which usually like hurts your skills to some point. Yes. Um. So they said, yeah, there's that, and then there's some quest lines that will explore the futuristic world of crime and punishment. So it'd be interesting to see how those quest lines work. Mm -hmm. uh, work. Um, the other thing that kind of goes back to like, Hey, can I buy property or whatnot? Which like how fable works or, um, the fact that you can build your bases and you can do research, uh, on mm -hmm. items and stuff was, uh, will time pass in the game as you're act when you're not playing, like kind of how fable when you buy property, you basically buy property, rent it out. You can leave for five days and you'll have five days worth of rent built up. Mm -hmm. The later fable games, I believe did that. Like like, things would constantly accumulate over time. Yeah, but you had time. to be in-game. Because I remember I had to, for Fable 3, I had to leave the game on. Oh, okay. I thought Fable to turn it off. No, you had to, in Fable 3, for the properties to earn a shit ton of gold, you buy a bunch of property, and then you go sit in your safety little manor house, and... You just flick the controller button once in a while to keep it awake. But, yeah, you just leave it Maybe on it's the original for... Fable we don't have to, then. I guess it's the original one, because I remember 3, I had to keep it on. And I remember the longest I kept it on in a row was probably eight hours. And I came back, and I had a shit ton of money for the end game. Okay. Because well, that was like a cheat seat... Uh, Cheat way to, to get a lot of money, yeah. Get a lot of money, and that's the same if you're a starfield. Time passes only when you're in game, you can't just turn yeah. it off and be away from keyboard and just gain a ton of resources or whatnot that you're processing. Mm -hmm. You actually have to be in game. Um, and then there was another question about like being a double eight about being a double agent, uh, for uh, factions, which kind of more goes to like, hey, can I? be part of all these different factions, even some that oppose each other, and they confirm that you can play all the faction quests independently in one playthrough, no problem. Mm -hmm. Kind of like how you can join the Dark Brotherhood, kill the Emperor, but you can also be a member of the Legion in Skyrim as well, and it right. doesn't affect one or the other. Uh, but they did allude to there being a mission where you, your mission is to infiltrate another faction, and then you have to decide whether or not you betray which faction you want to betray. Yeah. Okay. So they do have like kind of an undercover agent quest line built in to one of the factions. But like if you just wanted to go and play through the factions, you don't have to decide, okay, I'm going to be a space pirate in this playthrough and then play a whole new game to be uh, okay. Vanguard or somebody else. Yeah. So you can actually join all the factions with one character and they won't kick you out of the other one for being in one or the mm -hmm. other. Except maybe that one quest line where you choose whether or not you're going to betray somebody. Right. <laughs> that might have some effect. But as far as everything else, you can go through the quest lines just fine. Mm -hmm. And that's how it's been prior, where there's no nothing blocking you from being a thief in the Thieves Guild or a fire in the Fire's Guild or Mage or the Assassin of uh, Dark Brotherhood. Yeah, you could be everything. <clears throat> yeah, they basically fun. like all acknowledge each other and respect each other, and they're not going to step on each other's toes unless, like, you get caught killing a mage, the mage guild will kick you out, but then you can always do a task to get back in. Right. I don't quite... I think, yeah, in Skyrim, it was like you had to go... Um, 
and like fetch random things like certain flowers and stuff. But I know in Bluvian mm-hmm. it was like you had these specific quests that were like a real pain in the ass to get back into their good graces. Yes. Um There is no pacifist mode, so there's no way you can play through the game without killing anybody. Oh, unlike Skyrim, because there was one guy I remember was able to be a pacifist in Skyrim and play through the whole game that way. You can't, you can't beat the main game without killing the dragon. I know, but I don't know how he did it. That's mods then, because like yeah. in Skyrim, because they talked about this. They, they said they talked about this at the beginning of production, if they could possibly facilitate it. And there's a lot of things you can do to not cause conflict and get through it, but there's no, they said there's no way they can guarantee 100% play it through without having to kill something. Okay. So there's not going to be a full pacifist like mode. Alright. Um, they did an interesting one of the religions, right? So like, mm-hmm. they did the thing where they covered their butts saying like, hey, every religion in, that we normally know of today's world is in this game and, all, and everybody's there, but like nobody, but it's not what's focused on. But they focus on like three new religions, which is um, the Sanctum Universum, Enlightened, and the Great Serpent. And that those three groups were like the Universal Universum are people who believe that space travel, the fact that we can space travel, and the fact that they could like go f- travel faster than light was an invitation f- for God to say, "Come find me in space." Okay. And then the Enlightens are like. The space athe- or the atheists who are like, hey, we got to space. There's no God. Only we can take care of each other. So they push charitable things of like take care of yourselves and take care of each other type of thing. Mm-hmm. And then the Great Serpent is like almost an event horizon thing. So like supposedly oh, some, great. So, yeah, supposedly some group were jumping through space and then they found a giant serpent who basically said, hey. Uh, find followers uh, to save them before the serpent shows up and devours the universe. Oh. Yeah, so it's like that. So we have a cult, and kind of normal religion, and then regular atheists. Yeah, and the cult, like they did mention, will kind of show up as an enemy faction from time to time, unless you, I guess, unless, I guess, unless, unless you, you join, join the cult. But it's basically like grab people to save them before the great serpent comes and destroys the universe. Ah. Which is like, okay, that sounds like an event horizon slash like Nordic fairy tale type of thing that yeah. people are crazy about. It's interesting. Okay. Yeah. So that was pretty cool that they went into some detail about that and how that worked. Um, like I said, you see the full answer, their full detailed answer on our website and whatnot. Um, and then they also gave us some insight on companions. So like mm-hmm. there's over 20 named characters that can join your crew or work on your facility base or whatnot, which is pretty, that's, that's like, that's the most I think they've had in any game because there's not even that many in Skyrim. Yeah. It's just uh hired companions, but you don't really get a whole lot of backstory from those people. Yeah. They say like there's with all the companions, there's going to be at least a little bit of, of stuff behind them, but there's four, the, there's four that are in constellation. The main, the main story is, group mm-hmm. that will have the main background which are probably the four that you can probably ro- uh, seriously romance right um so there's like at least four that they have deep backgrounds and uh, probably huge huge quest trees behind them for their backstory mm-hmm. and then the other 20 kind of like the the probably like the kid uh when you're like a yeah. famous person that follows you around that's probably yeah. he probably has one or two quests that maybe give you a little backstory about him but that might be it right where everyone else might have more deeper stuff that's pretty cool. 
Um, they also noted that you don't have to pay people salaries when you hire them. You get, you pay a one-time fee. Oh, good. And that's kind of like what um, No Man's Sky does when you hire people for your base, like when it directs you to. You just have to have the facility set up, and then you, I think, are charged a one-time fee for them to come help you. Or it's like, oh, I'll help you for free as long as you have this built. Okay. So, but in this game, it's like, hey, you have to pay somebody to be a researcher on your base. You pay them once. You don't. They didn't want people to worry about um, maintaining salary stuff because they were going to try that before. But it's like it's too much for a player to keep track of. Well, there's some people that like to play games of yeah of like micromanagement that. like that. Yeah, um, all not me, but <clears throat> they laid out that all the companions have their their own perks. Um, they were yeah. asked like whether some of their favorite details were, uh, I think Emil and we'll both said like, uh, stuff like on the outfits and everything, how detailed they are. And like, they mentioned that constellation members have a patch on their shoulder mm -hmm. that reflects their skills. So like if they're a rifleman, they'll have a rifleman patch. If they're an engineer, they'll have an engineer patch, which will kind of dictate like this person's good to have like on your ship for your shields. This person's good to have your party for fighting. So, like, you'll see stuff like that on characters. That's cool. Um, which will relate to their perks and whatnot. Um, and then, like, influences for the game are, like, your normal sci-fi stuff. Will was a history buff, so he put a lot of history stuff in there. And then, you know, like, listed a ton of, like, old-school sci-fi movies and TV shows that uh, was inspiration for uh, the game uh, in total. Yep. And like I said, their uh, biggest like uh, small details were like the details in the like the NASA punk aesthetic, all the buttons and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, they did mention that like there's uh, f for mechs and whatnot, since you saw like that little mech anima animatic in the cartoon that they released last month. Yeah, that during one of the wars in the timeline that they recently released, there was. Uh, the Free Start Collective, like, using mechs, they got really good at it. And then the United Colonies were, were using uh, Xenobiology Warfare, so they're using alien monsters to fight. Um, but, like, you can't... There are no mounts in the game, and there are no mechs that you can use. But they did mention, like, yeah, there's probably a mech graveyard out there that you can find. Oh, so maybe go grab, like, parts and stuff. Probably parts and stuff like that, or there might be quests related to it, or somebody's background quest to it. Yeah. Um... But like there are no mechs to drive to drive or ride around in or any uh, extra vehicles like that. In well, the game. just wait till the mods get. Yeah, the moders will take care of that part. But I mean, that covers the majority of the sixteen questions that they had asked and the little details that they yep. had given us. But um, like I said, you can catch their entire transcript of it is on our website. Yep. Um, and there's tons of videos out there, people going over this news as well. Um, but it does sound like this is fully uh gonna be pretty in-depth game mm -hmm. um one of the devs did recently mention that hey there's a uh documentary on netflix that'd be a good thing to watch before playing starfield which is about the latest uh photo telescope that nasa just launched oh up. yes yes it's like an hour-long uh documentary uh but it's all about that james field uh telescope that has now taken more clear and better images of space in the Hubble. Cause like the Hubble went up and it was like dirty or out of focus. Yeah. And so like they couldn't get the best pictures. This one actually went up without having any fucking issues. So it's like super clear and takes way more detailed pictures. So if you ever look up, uh, the photos from this telescope, uh, you'll see in compared to the Hubble, like how they're much, 
how it's it's much clearer and sharper and they see it a lot more. Uh, but mm-hmm. you recommend like that's a good documentary to watch. If, uh, just the idea of like the NASA punk and like the concept, some of the concepts that uh, they use in Starfield. Sweet. But uh, that covers like a lot of main news. Other than that, hey, if you're wanting to avoid spoilers, review copies have gone out to people already. So be aware that yes. on YouTube and stuff, you might want to clear your history because Starfield things are going to start popping up uh, with people with early reviews. Who are breaking? Who might be breaking embargo or giving their first impressions prior to the embargo date? Mm-hmm. Embargo date is the thirty first, which is the day um, early access will begin for most people who paid for the hundred dollar version. But if you're waiting for just the Game Pass version on the sixth, after the thirty first, you're going to have a ton of spoilers out yep. there because people are going to be talking about it. Uh, reviews will be posted. Everything will be out there. So. Be careful within those first five days uh, if you're not uh, getting an early access copy. Just dodge, dodge, dodge. Yep. And last thing we'll talk about today is that we've been watching Tashi's Castle on uh, Amazon Prime. Uh, what this is is a, a renewal of an old Japanese TV show that's been uh, broadcast worldwide. We probably know it more so in the U.S. as MXC, the Most Extreme Elimination Challenge. Which, surprisingly, after watching the actual Tashi's Castle and what the premise is on that... MXC wasn't too far off with kind of how they presented it. Yeah, it's just much shorter. Yeah, and because they only did like a 30-minute show, and they basically don't show the entirety of an episode. They basically broke it up into... Two highlights of best... Uh, highlights, and they broke it into like little leaguers versus doctors and stuff based off of the costumes right. people would wear. And the funny thing is that that actually was is kind of how the te- people are broken up because like they'll show up as a team of people all dressed the same, like... There's the college girls all dressed like Sailor Scouts almost. Yep. Uh, in this new one. Then there's like the uh, Ninja Warrior contestants who are all dressed the same. Mm-hmm. And you do have people in those groups uh, redoing it. But the premise of Tashi's Castle is basically a 100 uh, versus like one type thing where it's 100 contestants have to get through all the obstacle courses and whoever's left gets to fight the final challenge to win a million yen basically. Yep. Which, unfortunately, is not a lot of money not right now because... We the, looked it up the other day. The inflation, it was... It's like $6,500 is yeah. what the yen is. Like, the yen has fallen quite a bit, so it's not great. Um, but this show is really funny to watch, uh, especially if you used to watch MXC or the old ones, or if you used to watch the original Ta- Tashi's Castle in this original Japanese. Um, the nice thing is that uh, Amazon Prime does let you get watch it with the subtitles. Yes. Um and it's interesting to see uh, how many people have come back after 34 years to replay it. Yeah, there's a ton of people that played the original uh, 34 years ago, come back with their family to retry and play all the games. And you see the family and like their grandchildren or their children rooting them on. And it's it's kind of cute. It's adorable. Yeah, or the kids come back and say, I'm here to avenge my father who played 34 years ago. Yeah, and the dad's on the sideline <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, go get him. Uh, the, or even competing with them. And they even uh, they brought, they brought bring back some of the old games. They bring back some new ones or new variations on stuff. Mm-hmm. It's It was very interesting to see because like these games are, are very, very difficult. Yeah, they're designed <clears throat> for you to fail. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it is like they almost cheat to the point to like where you're not going to succeed at, at anything in, in yeah. this game. Um, 
But they have a it's kind of cool. It's, it's almost like a giant fairground of obstacle courses for the day that all these contestants show up to. They go through the first challenge, which is everybody just getting over a wall. Um, and they usually all help each other try and get us to get as many people over the wall as possible. And then um, throughout the day, if you lose, sometimes you get to rejoin the main game if, like, you get a fighting spirit award for, like, just being super enthusiastic. Yeah. Or everybody who loses a game gets to get randomly assigned three other games to play. Little, little games. And if they win those, they get to get back in, or they'll get a Fighting Spirit award for their performance. Their in performance those games too to get back in the game because it literally, if they don't do that, like the last episode we watched, it was literally three people got through the second game. Yeah, and it's like we went from a hundred to three, three people. They needed to bring more people in. Just to give a fighting chance. Yeah. So, like, then they end up with, like, okay, now you have 24 contestants running through uh, so, another game. Yeah. And it always ends up getting wheeled down so far to just, like, two contestants. Two the, to three. To the very final. Yep. Um, with the most impossible <clears throat> game of shooting a ball into a tiny, a tiny target, target while like, moving and... Someone else is shooting at you. With a huge target that they can hit anywhere on. Yeah. And, and if you both, if you hit their target and Natasha Castle General hits your target, you both tie and nobody wins. Yeah. So but it's, it's near it, impossible. We have yet to see yeah, someone nobody's hit the done target. It. Yeah. And, and in the history of Natasha Castle, they claim only eight people have ever won uh, the game out of all the uh, contestants who've mm-hmm. ever run it. Um. So and there's debate on that because there's like some games where like... A whole team basically wins because nobody they couldn't tell who got the winning shot in some of the older of the older episodes back in the eighties uh, or eighties and nineties because like uh, well, it's thirty four years ago that they were playing this yeah um, so really f- uh, fun show to watch great to watch in Jap- with the subtitles because um, the announcers who are watching it. Are supposed to be playing like Tashi's like generals or lords, yeah, who are supposed to be lords. defending defending the castle. They don't play it straight like they're sticking to the script. A lot of them are like, a lot of them are questioning like, why is this game so hard? Yeah, they like, question everything. They um, they even say little things like, oh, I'm late because I was I was at a different gig. gig. Yeah, <laughs> and then um, like there's a little side script with the uh, general of the army that's invading Tashi's castle and the captain and they're like what the hell is up with this and they like their little commentary of the little side skits are hilarious yeah it's funny because like they they like they're into like the storyline of like oh there's a hundred uh, army that's attacking tashi's castle and we're here to defend it and then they always jump out i was like that's ridiculous right like, this is too hard or why are we <laughs> why are we on them and they're like no <laughs> or it's like hey look that wrestler or that sumo wrestler totally gave the tug of war girl a ch- uh, chance to win and, yeah. and gave it to him like there, it's just kind of honest commentary about what's happening versus like trying to stay in character. Where like if you try to do this in the U.S. like they do with like Ninja Warrior or Wipeout, or whatnot, they like they try to make it too serious. Yeah, and they try to keep it f- so focused on either some huge tragedy in somebody's family when they were the U.S. show, or they try to f- keep it focused on like the storyline that they're trying to play out. Where here, there's a storyline, but they're also being goofy about it. Yeah, they're making fun of it. And it's just and like... it's just like, oh, this contestant really loved the old TV show and is here. Cool. Get it on. 
Go play. Yeah, and as you go through, they have international people who've watched it, people from Spain, some people from America. There's some uh, There's Japanese YouTube YouTubers who are from America who we saw that were in it. Uh, there's this guy who knows everything about Tachi's Castle who got to compete in it. Yeah. Um, it's a really cool show. I would say watching it in original Japanese is a lot of fun mm-hmm. and highly recommend checking it out as for like a good alternative to reality TV or like things like like Wipeout. Like I couldn't get into Wipeout or yeah, like same. the American Ninja Warrior or any of that because like they focus too much on people's sad sob backstories and it's like that's not what this is for it's just like here's sarah and she's a nurse and she's going to races yeah let's go let's see her fall on her face as she tries to run across the dragon's pond yeah or like the one of the ninja warrior winners like this is a guy he's a gas station attendant he built his own ninja warrior uh practice thing in his backyard Mm mm-hmm that's all they go into. They don't tell us that his father died of cancer, that he needs medical money for medical things or this and that. Yeah. Like, that's what like all those American versions of those shows always turn into. And it's a 20 minute backstory on one care. contestant out of like a hundred. Yeah. It's like, I just want to see him fall into the water. <laughs> or, I don't need a backstory to watch him fail. <laughs> or to see them actually succeed some of those things. Yeah. Like when you see somebody finally figure out how to get over like these impossible tasks and they win, you're like, yeah. Cool, you did you it. You cheer. You audibly cheer. It's... We were clapping. Our cats were pissed at us. <laughs> so it's a lot of fun to watch. I definitely suggest it. And it's yes. like, I definitely recommend it over watching like the Americanized versions of like these the physical, these physical shows. Like even the Rock's like Titan uh, show was like, it, meh. Yeah, well, because again, it focuses on the wrong thing. It doesn't focus on the athletes. Athletes. Athleticism. Thank you. I could not yeah. talk of that day. Yeah, and that's the thing is that this is only this show is it has its like little f- story that they're trying to tell that's kind of funny, comedic. Yeah. And that's the thing with Japanese TV is that it's completely supposed to be entertaining, so people always act over the top. That's why it seems so weird to Americans. Yeah. Where a lot of our reality TV is always trying to be uh, highly dramatic, but always like trying to pull somebody's heartstrings about this or that. Yeah, it's like, I and don't need that. I mean, you look at any American reality show, like Undercover Boss, America's uh, like Worst Driver, stuff that they had and stuff, it's always focusing on like the, the human story thing. and not what the, for the reason why you watched it. Yeah. Um, where this is like, hey, you're going to want to see people fail at, at obstacle courses. Yes. You'll watch fail and you're going to see some people actually pull it off. That, that's the whole point. Um. One of the funniest things about this is if you know who Chi Chan is, which is a Japanese Chi-chan. Japanese uh, mascot. Yeah, it's like who's a fairy otter, and she is wonderful and beautiful and full of energy and hope. Yeah, like there's a whole uh, last week tonight segment on it too. Watch that yeah. with uh, John Oliver because he makes <clears throat> his own otter to send to Chi Chan. Yeah, and it's wonderful. And Chi Chan has so far been in every episode of the show. She's wonderful. Um, trying to get, trying to see this mascot get through these obstacles that it's people who have won the Ninja Warrior Challenge can't are having a hard time getting through. Yeah, Chi Chan is like trying to get through this stuff. Um, it's wonderful. The show's done great. <laughs> uh, I mean, the last one we saw with MXC was just how brutal it looked like people would get get injured. And yeah. they've definitely taken a step up on safety. Obviously, here we're like, all the watchers, everybody's wearing a life vest. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's clear that you're not going to... Everyone's wearing a helmet. Yeah, not going to see people breaking their face on rocks and stuff like that. Yeah, the rocks are more padded now. They're not solid rocks. (laughs) But you do see people take some bad bad fails, and Mm -hmm. it is entertaining to watch, but nobody gets hurt in the show, which is great to know. Yes. Um, But it's available on Prime. If so, if Amazon Prime, you should be able to get on uh, the Prime. You can do app. a thirty-day trial. It's just eight episodes. I'm hoping they're filming more this August. Yeah, hopefully. So we could get another one. So fingers crossed on that. Yep. It's great. It's a fun binge watch. Enjoy. Yeah, it seems to be very popular in Japan. It should be very popular worldwide for anyone who's watched. One hundred fifty countries. Yeah, anybody who watched it originally or watched the different versions like MXC. Well, she would would love watching the show, so I definitely highly recommend it. Yes, yes. Um, so that's it for our show this week. Yep. Uh, next week, uh, uh, Ahsoka comes out. Yes. Which will be great to see. If finally, got a new Star Wars show. We'll go episode by episode on that. I think they're only doing the first episode, not like the first three or anything like okay. that. Okay. Um, but we got Ahsoka coming out. We got Wheel of Time on, on the beginning of September. Um, and I think a couple other shows yeah, will be hitting. Yeah, there's a couple other things coming out. I gotta um, look up and see. I know season four of Lower Decks will be coming out. Yes. So we'll probably definitely talk about because we love that show. Um, so that those are the things coming up uh, next week for sure. We'll definitely be talking about Ahsoka. Um, and then we'll probably talk about weeks coming, how uh, doing other stuff. Like I already saw an article saying that Ahsoka's coming to Galaxy's Edge. Which is kind of the nice thing that when they do these Star Wars shows, even though Galaxy's Edge supposed to be taking place at that timeline between, um, the between the first sequel movie, uh, what Force Awakens, and uh, oh no, it's, it's supposed to take place between the Last Jedi and the Skywalker. Sometime, sometime from it's that. Between that, <laughs> yeah. Oh, for, it's where Gassi's Edge takes place, but as these shows have come out, the Mandalorian and all their characters have shown up on uh, Galaxy's Edge. Ahsoka's not going to show up on mm-hmm. Galaxy's Edge. So we'll see some of these characters here. Um, one thing is, we've not watched Star Wars Rebels or The Clone Wars, so we know nothing of the backstory that this is continuing. Yep. So we won't have a lot of that background information. All I know about Ahsoka is that she is technically the official only Padawan that Anakin trained. Right. Um, before he would complete Darth Vader stuff. And that was during the Clone Wars, I believe, was when that happened. Yes. That's um, all I know as well. <laughs> but this is picking up a storyline from, I think, Rebels or Clone Wars or something. So we'll just have to see what how well they fill in people who did not watch those cartoons. Exactly. Because there's a lot of people that did not watch those cartoons or and just watch strictly the movies, movies or the television series because she did show up a couple times in uh the mandalorian show yeah she was yeah she has shown up there but that's all i think all you need to know about the character is that she's anakin's padawan she was trained by darth vader before he was darth vader yep uh and the only character that's ever been trained by him um and she does not consider herself a jedi is my is from my understanding Mm -hmm. um so uh we'll talk about that next week and we'll see you then again you can find us Wherever you download your podcasts, uh, our webpage, www.nerdcrusade.com, Twitch at The Nerd Crusade, and on YouTube, The Nerd Crusade. Yes. Uh, catch us there. You'll find all our videos of uh, our Twitch streams, which we usually do Monday, uh, Wednesday, Friday on, and of various different games and whatnot I play throughout the week. 
Um, and uh, please like and subscribe and comment about your thoughts and let us know what you want us to cover. If there's something coming up that you think we should uh, watch or check out or what your thoughts are on the things that we're watching already. All right. We'll see you then. Bye.